Some of you are like, well, what do you mean by prophetic history? I mean, to simplify that term, I would simply say this. I would say, to me, my prophetic history is where God intervened in my life and did something that I couldn't do in my own strength. He provided in a way that I couldn't provide for myself. He brought breakthrough when I didn't know what was going to happen. And so that's what I would define as a prophetic history in God. And sorry, I spit, I sweat, forgive me, although there's not many people on the first row. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But it's been enjoyable and encouraging to go over our story. You'd think by now, you know, 11 plus years into this, that I would get somehow bored and, you know, disgruntled even with continually to hear these stories. Because you have to understand, I not only heard them, I experienced them in real time. So I have all the experience of most of them, I would say. Uh, and I have over the years, each year, once or twice, have heard these stories over and over again. I never, I never become bored. It energizes something in me. It, it, it recenters me around the vision of what God has called us to do. And I hope it does the same thing for you. I know that we've had, you know, we're a very transient community. We've had people who have been here for two years, three years, four years, and even longer. Some of you shorter, but never, ever get bored with your stories. Never, ever. You know, I, I made the mistake in my 20s. And in my 30s, I'm still 30, in my 30s, so don't, don't get too carried away. Although I'll be kissing, I'll be kissing 30s goodbye soon. <laughs> Praise the Lord. It's a whole other message for another day. Um, but uh, I, I did the foolish thing of not recording and kind of cataloging and logging the stories in which God performed in my life. I, you know, have you ever seen, like, in, let's say you're in like a prophetic meeting, the prophet has come to town, some of you are like, what is a prophet? But anyway, some of you do know what that is, so let's just go with it, right? Um, and you're in that meeting, and people are getting words, and they got their cell phones out taping. Have you ever been annoyed at the cell phone tapers? You know, they're like, oh, this real holy moment in God, you know, and they're breaking out their cell phones, and Speak to me, Lord, you know? Uh, so I never did that. I always been like, like, when I saw it, I was like, come on, put the cell phone away. This holy moment. Don't ruin it. But you know what? Those people who, who record can go back and get line for line, word for word, everything that was spoken. And through the years, it can encourage them. You know, that's the thing about the prophetic is that it not only encourages you in the moment, it can carry you through your lifetime. You know, you got some words to build your life upon, and, and you have it cataloged and archived in a sense, and you can go back to those stories when you need them the most. Woo! And that's what I think these last two Sundays have meant for me anyways. Because sometimes we need encouragement, us leaders, because, you know, we're here where we're trying to lead. You know, we're trying to, we're trying to by the grace of God, bring about the dreams of God and his heart for our church. And Sometimes that is a very lonely job. Um, but you have to look back. You have to look back sometimes in order to move forward. You really do. I mean, I think a great example of this in the Bible was David, the psalmist, the king, the minstrel, whatever, the shepherd, whoever, you know. In his life, he seemed to have this running log, this book of remembrance, where he could, in a time of need, Go back. I don't know if somebody logged these things for him. I don't know if he had somebody like in, 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 the, in the, uh, the, the terrain while he's shepherding his, his father's sheep and somebody's logging all these things and miracles and ways that God had spoken, provided and brought victory. I don't know, but he just, he seemed to be good 
that in the moment of trial, in the moment of pain, in the moment of need, be able to just reach back in the archives of his mind and be like, oh, Lord, you know what? I remember when you did this. I don't have an answer for today, God. I don't know what this battle is going to turn out. Uh, and where it's all going to end. I don't know if my friends are going to leave me. I don't know what's going to happen, but you do. And I, I, I have this running log in my mind, this book of remembrance that says, God, you were faithful then. You can be faithful now. The same God that performed this miracle and provided that thing or spoke that word can do it currently. And I, I just love that about the prophetic because it just, it just doesn't inspire and encourage you for the moment. It can carry you through the life span of what God has called you to do. And it certainly did for David. You know, as I mentioned, I had the fortunate, I mean, I had the privilege, excuse me, to see most of these stories unfold in real time. And again, you know, that through the years, you would think that I would become a bit disgruntled and jaded and be like, God, when are you going to finally just bring that last blow, you know, that, that when are you going to answer some of these prayers and, and when are you going to breathe and, and bring awakening to the Northeast? When, God? But you know, I don't, I'm not worried about the when. <laughs> I'm not worried about timing. I realize that timing seasons, they're in God's hand. I'm only called to faithful steward, faithfully steward what he's given me to steward. So I'm not worried about the time. And so I never, ever get disgruntled. I, I only get determined. <laughs> really, I mean, for me, I, like uh, these last two Sundays, I'm like, okay, what's next, God? What, what is the next chapter of this story gonna look like? We're just, and I wanna say this again and again and again and again and again, especially for you who have been here for some time. And I'm not just talking about two or three years. That's not a lot of time. You know, some of us have been in the game for like 11, 12 years, people. You know, that's what I call some, that's what I call some good time. You know, we're just at the beginning of beginnings of beginnings. God is just turning this page in our story, and he's about ready to write a new chapter. And I want us to be prepared. I want us to get excited. You know, those stories that Bethany told over the last two Sundays, man, there is so much more. We could fill a whole month, month and a half with just unpacking the miracles and the wonders and the provisions that God performed in our birthing stages and when God created Jehop or when he birthed out of the house of prayer a church. We could go on forever and sometimes I think we should. <laughs> I think we should. You know, um, as I said, I had the you know, privilege of seeing most of these stories unfold in real time and I just wanna tell a funny story uh, about prophetic people as my wife has through the year, years proven that she is a prophetic person. Um, and I, she doesn't tout the prophetic banner around, you know. She doesn't have a card in her purse saying, Prophetess Bethany, you know. <laughs> no one would probably even expect uh, her to even have a prophetic gift, I guess in the sense of what we see, you know, prophets like Sean Boltz and Cindy Jacobs and others. But I, I, I have seen more bullseyes meaning prophetic bullseyes that she has hit year after year after year, and one of them was Bradford College. Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about, when I mention the word or the campus Bradford College, I'm sorry, you should have been here last Sunday and the Sunday before that. You should probably think about coming to church more often. It might not be a bad idea. But uh, just saying, if not, it's okay. You don't have to. Why change anything? You know, just keep it up. But anyways, uh, so Bradford College was a perfect example of uh, Bethany's ability to see beyond her nose. <laughs> you know, I remember when she was in the stage and 
of envisioning people and leaders in the body of Christ with the same vision that God had arrested her heart with with that campus. And I remember, unfortunately, on the other side of the fence. I was. I was scoffing and mimicking and be like, oh my God, she's lost her mind. Like, we're, we're, we're like helping your mom build a homeless church. Like, <laughs> where are we going to get the money for this, Lord? You know? So it didn't, I've all, I had this sense of when she was trying to reach out to other leaders in the body of Christ, emailing and touring with them through the campus, and just trying to say, hey, listen, this is its history. This is its campus's history. Maybe God wants to pool our strength and our resources together to do something like this again. Maybe, maybe we need to dream together to see what God has for us on this campus. And everybody just looked at her kind of like the way I looked at her and said, you're crazy. You've lost your mind. And although she may have not had full conclusion of what God wanted to do with that campus, she had bits and pieces. And I remember one morning, as me and her brother often did, go to her parents' house to steal a meal from time to time, as um, we lived off Pop-Tarts and ramen noodle soups. Yeah, killing it, killing it, crushing it. we went and had a, pan- a pancake uh, breakfast with her mom and dad. I remember her father had the morning paper. And in the paper was a story of Bradford College being sold to a Christian college. Uh, at the time, it was Zion uh, Bible School, I think. Some wealthy investor had bought the campus for her. And I remember just pausing and being like, she was right. God is going to do something on that campus. Why is it with dreamers and prophetic people, we always try to rein them in to some kind of practical wisdom? You know, like, don't dream too big. We need dreamers, friends. We need prophetic people. Now, let me, let me just ground that with some of this. We don't need flaky prophetic people. You all know what I mean by flaky prophetic people. I mean, you're trying to discern the atmosphere of a room. Give me a break. You know, I'm not talking about that weird flakiness, you know, where you're trying to discern a spirit on a person. Give me a break. I'm talking about people who can see into big, monumental things that reside in God's heart, saying, I want to birth a missions movement out of the Northeast. I'm going to put it upon some wealthy person's heart to purchase this campus for another Christian school. And now, some years later, we're on that campus. It's really small. We're doing this thing called the 110 Intensive. You may have heard about it if you've been here for the last month or so. It's really small, but we're believing that even out of this small beginning, that God, through our faithfulness, is going to burst something great. That maybe five or ten years down the road, We'll read, our children will read about, our children will be part of, who knows, but we're at the beginning of beginnings and we need dreamers. Bethany, I want to thank you for dreaming. And I want to... And I want to thank you for being... Don't look at me. (laughs) I want to thank you for being courageous and and following through. And um, it's a privilege to you know, be your husband, but it's also a privilege to walk alongside of you and serve you. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, you stick around any length of time, you'll find out that we are an interesting group. We're probably not like many churches you've experienced in Cambridge. That's not the pat us on the back. That's just to say, we are strange. We're loud. We cry. We we scream sometimes. We are all over the place. 
but thank you. Uh, so I want to, that was just my intro. Is everybody okay? Everybody all right? I'm watching the time. We're 14 minutes into this. I promise not to keep you for an hour like Bethany did the last two Sundays, but... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> We're all laughing. That's good. You know, I want to talk about those in-between stories, right? You know, there's in-between stories. There's the great stories of God moving in power and God providing and God speaking. But there's some in-between stories that are not so glamorous, not so epic, far from, but they're stories nevertheless. And I, I believe, or I'm of the mind, that they are as equally significant to the more profound and glorious stories. And, I, I, and I'm, no, I'm in no way talking about this because I think Bethany didn't share those. I mean, she did share, I think for like the first year and a half, they were eating expired oatmeal because they couldn't afford to feed their team. I mean, it's a pretty, it's not so glorious. I mean, who wants to eat expired oatmeal? But in between the great stories, the great ways in which God had spoke and had moved in power, there were some stories that weren't great that weren't epic. There were some stories of pain, perseverance. Hello, somebody. I mean, let's preach it. Let's preach some perseverance up in the house today. There was some doubts and some uncertainty. Not everything was high in the sky and clear at the time. And still isn't in many ways. But nevertheless, what qualifies great stories as great stories are the in-between stories of, that aren't so great, aren't they? Come on, talk to me, right? Talk to me. Great stories get all the airtime. And you know what? Rightfully so, they should. Rightfully so, they should. They, man, I am so encouraged, as you could probably tell. I'm like a kid in a candy shop, ready to explode and just say, God, what is next? But, but I don't even know where I was going with that. But got a little derailed by the kid in the candy shop analogy. Sorry about that. But I am so encouraged by how God has graciously led us, graciously provided for us. And I'm seeing us as a community. I'm not just saying me and Bethany. And I'm grateful in the way that he has spoken through prophetic people or even times that we've had with the Lord. But there are stories, again, not to be repetitive, that are equally significant but not so great. You know, there are days and months that you kind of feel as a person, what am I doing? You know, why am I doing it? I should stop. <laughs> you know, there are those days. You know, I think of the story of Jesus' resurrection. It may not be directly related, you know. We'll never die for the sins of humanity, you know. But this glorious story of Christ's resurrection is preceded by some not so great stories. You know, by all means, and we talk about this a lot, if if some successful leader was to kind of look at Jesus' ministry and the success of his leadership, they would probably deem Christ as a failure. You know, he's losing his team. His best friends are abandoning him. He's being sold by one of his disciples to his death. I mean, those are not such great stories, are they? But they're proceed this wonderful story of Jesus' resurrection. What? I mean, here he is the first of many to triumph over death in the grave. That's a remarkable story, but there were some in-between stories that were not as glorious and beautiful as that, although they were for us. I'm sure for his friends that were witnessing the scourging of Christ, 
cool. They had some doubts. I'm almost positive. They may have had feelings of like, what have we done for the last three years? Who are we following? What is going on? The man in whom we love, the man in whom performed all these miracles, the man who said he was God is now dying as a criminal. God dying as a criminal. One who maybe is a murderer or a thief. God. That rocks me. God, the innocent, perfect, spotless lamb. He had some bad days. And if that's too much for us to imagine, let's take David's life, right? Imagine yourself, you're um, about ready to become the next king of Israel, right? Um, you've been anointed as king and God has chosen you, singled out you as amongst your brothers to be the next ruler of Israel. There's only one problem. The current king, Saul, wants to kill you. <laughs> just, just a small little problem. Just, no, just, current king of Israel just wants me dead because he's jealous. Not a big deal. <laughs> you know, it, some scholars believe that da, 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 Dan, not Dan, but David, ran from King Saul for about seven to ten years after he was singled out as being the next king of Israel. Could you imagine that? All that time passes. David is hiding out in caves and running for his life seven to ten years before he actually comes into the fullness of what God has called him to do. Man, some of us need some perseverance. Two years. We're like, we're like, we're like the one-hit wonders in Christianity. <laughs> Lord, you know, we had this great song in the 80s, but we were never, been, we were never able to, re, uh, to recoup and, and regain that music again. We were never able to have another hit. Seven to ten years, David runs for his life. Saul's jealousy leads him to all types of shady behavior, and he wants David dead time and time again. David is given the opportunity to actually kill Saul, but yet doesn't. I'd be like, let's do it. We got, we got an opportunity. Like, come on, Will, let's kill this guy. Let's take him out. Like, he's all alone. He's drunk like he's sleeping. I'd be like, murder. <laughs> but he doesn't. He continues to honor rather than dishonor Saul. And he feels as though the best way to do that is to keep his distance and run and hide. Yet all this, as was mentioned, would lead David to one day fulfilling his calling to be the next king of Israel. Certainly wouldn't come without complications, without a list of in-between stories that are not glamorous and not so great. But David persevered. And I guess the crux of my heart, you know, what I desire to see in the body of Christ is believers who can persevere, <laughs> you know? I don't know if I can share this story, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna shoot for it. Honey, please don't kill me. Just, if you don't like that I'm doing this, just look the other way. Because <laughs> I won't do it good if your eyes stare at me. <laughs> there was a lady who um, some time ago decided to uh, finance both me and Bethany um, plus finance the ministry. You've heard, if you've been here for any length of time, about this lady. Um, she sowed graciously. And it wasn't just us that she was sowing into. I don't know what the numbers of ministries and ministers that she was sowing money into, but I'd imagine if you took the sum total of her monthly giving, it was probably anywhere between 
this may be exaggerating, um, but given the fact that I know some of these ministries, anywhere between $75,000 to $100,000 a month. I mean, let alone she was giving the Justice House of Prayer $14,000 a month at one point. And I remember there was one ministry particularly that was shady with her generosity. They weren't treating it right. And, and nobody really knew until some things developed where some people weren't being taken care of that were part of their ministry. And so they got called out on the carpet. And now she has a whole pool of people that she's giving to. Obviously the guy who was mishandling the money was sat down and dealt with. Um, but you know, not once did she change her mind about giving. She... she now, don't get lost. I'm not talking about giving. Give, get over your small-mindedness. I'm talking about perseverance. Here's a lady who is giving thousands of dollars over to ministries. I believe that the man who wrote the book Shack was amongst them. The man who created the movie was amongst those people. Ministries that we enjoy today, ministries that we eat the fruit, listen to their songs. This lady was single-handedly sowing thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars into monthly, not yearly. We're not talking about $75,000 a year, friends. And not once did she pull back because of the pain of somebody mistreating what she was generous with. Not once. And here we are in church. We are so easily offended. We are so easily apt to controlling things and situations when we don't get our way. Here's David is perfect classic example. He is anointed as king, singled out as be the next ruler of Israel. And he has the next seven to ten years of his life being chased. If that was me and my kind of shallow ability to persevere, I would be like, I'm out of here. I'm out of here. God, you're insane. Why did you call me? This guy wants to kill me. David doesn't. He perseveres. What happened to perseverance in the church? This reminds me of Romans chapter, I'm sorry, Galatians, not Romans, chapter 6, verse 9. It says this, and let us not grow weary in doing good. Come on, are you weary this morning? The Bible says don't grow weary. Continue to do what, is, what you want. No, do what is good, for in due season you will reap. I imagine that this woman, this woman who I mentioned earlier, is on the latter days of her life. I can't, I can't even begin to wrap my brain around the glory she will experience in heaven, around the rewards she will have. I can't even begin to quantify that, put all that together. It is going to be remarkable. She saw beyond just the circumstances and, and most likely, she saw something good in the person who was mishandling this money. Because she still continued to give to that ministry. Although that person was dealt with, they repented. But still, you get what I'm saying. Let us not grow weary in what? Doing good. For in due seasons, we will reap. There's too many people cashing in. There's too many believers. It's too hard, God. Relationship, too hard. I'm offended. I'm this. I'm that. I'm pulling back. Can't get my own way. How about we just try talking to one another? You know, how about we just get some 
resolve in our heart to say, no, I'm, I'm going to persevere. I'm going to continue not to grow weary from doing what is right and what is good. For I know in season, the Bible says, I will reap. But we have this nearsighted view of God where we want it now, right? We're going to treat God like the internet. <laughs> Click Amazon. Give me it. I need it. But God is not like this. Listen to 2 Peter 3.9. It says this, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises, as some might count slowness. But he is patient. We live in a fast-paced world, friends, where things are accessible and readily at our fingertips. And sometimes I imagine that our kind of you know, take and the things that are accessible to us, we kind of intermingle those things with God and, and kind of view God to say, well, I, I, you know, after all, Jesus, after all, Father, you created the world and every living creature in just seven days. Surely it's not going to take you seven to ten years to get rid of Saul so that I can become king. I mean, why does it take so long? But here the Lord says, uh, Peter says that the Lord is not slow, meaning God is not on your timeline. He's not on mine. We may have a dream. We may have something in our heart. But God knows the right time. He knows the time. And he is not concerned at all about what we think is the right time. And so, in light of that, we are going to have to learn. It's imperative that we learn how to persevere. Because between great stories... There's going to be some not-so-great stories. There's going to be some hardship. There's going to be some pain. There's going to be some fractured relationships. And that's where we're going to have to persevere, press in. Not continue the old trajectory of church. Let's get offended and go our separate ways. What an insult to the body of Christ. A body that's called to be one a body who serves somebody who pleaded with the Father, oh, let them be one as we are one. And meanwhile, we can't work out our differences. But we want revival. Well, surely God can do both if he's big enough to revive a secular city. If he's big enough to revive a humanistic city, then he's big enough to keep us together in love but it's going to take yours and my persevering and weathering the storm trusting God and if it be 7 to 10 to 20 to 30 years so be it because this is not about time for me and Bethany this is about obedience see we as Christians we live in this in the west we live in this kind of perspective it's like well you know if it doesn't work out we'll just you know pack our bags and go, go another direction try you know hilltop 2.0 you know, or J-Hop 4.0, whatever, you know. But that's not what it's about for us. It's about obedience, friends. And the things in which God has called you to do has to be more about being obedient than the immediacy of fruit and breakthrough. Because, friends, there's going to be some days that are not so glorious, not so epic. <laughs> and you're going to have to make decisions. Am I going to persevere? Am I going to trust God? Am I doing this because I want it to just go my way? Or am I doing it because God has called me? And in that, I'm being obedient. Amen. See, David resolve, resolve, I believe, in dealing with King Saul for those seven to ten years was simply boiled down to this obedience to what God has called him to do. 
And when you have obedience, you can't divert, you can't change past. It's imperative. You lock in, and through the hard, through the thick and the thin, you go after it. And that's what we're doing. And I imagine if, that, if we continue to do good and not grow weary in due season, oh, I imagine we're going to reap a big harvest. At least that's what I'm looking for. You know, I have more here, and I do think that in order to do this right, uh, we need to take two Sundays, so that's what I'm going to do. Um, but I do feel, I felt, I think as far back as the merge, I just felt like this heart that wants to pray for people who feel like they're in a hard place. <laughs> you know, I hope that you don't take me as trying to beat up on you or, you know, whatever, but I mean, I'm just trying to speak out of my heart and my experience, but one thing I know is this world does a good job of beating us down, you know? Uh, this world does a great job of, at confusing us and, uh, and sometimes making us feel like we have no worth, no value. Um, and I, I, I you know, the, we prayed for a couple of folks during the merge um, who felt stuck and they felt like their lives were kind of caught between the hairpins of Satan's 22, Sean, you know, just like a bullseye, ah, got me again. Um, I, I want to pray for those who may be hurting and need some encouragement this morning. You may just need a lift and, um, and we'll carry this message on uh, into next Sunday. We do this every Sunday, so why feel the pre- pressure of, of, of beating the horse for another 45 minutes? Um, why don't we get Asaph up here? Could you give me some of that emotional ma- music? And, <laughs> and again, I, I think, um, again, the, the, the call, the, the kind of thing I'm going after is just to encourage people who need encouragement. Okay? I, I want to I pray that the Lord would strengthen you and encourage you today. Listen, we're about ready to head into Monday. We're going back to school, back to work, back to our families, you know, so. Some of you have great family situations. Some of you not so great, right? I get you. I'm there. But we're going to go back into Monday, and we're going to have some of the same battles, maybe different battles, maybe more intense battles. And I want to pray um, that in this time in closing that God would do something significant and encourage each and every one person who needs encouragement. So if that is you, no pressure. I have no, I'm, I'm, you don't have to do anything to make me feel comfortable. But if you're here and you need just somebody to agree with you in prayer, maybe you have lost sight of the promises of God in your life. Maybe you have lost sight of the things that God had called you to do and had kind of, um, you know, asked for your obedience in. Maybe you've lost sight of some of those things. Maybe the time of prayer will just be us encouraging you for your eyes to be open again and for your heart to sign back up again to saying, God, I'll be obedient. So if that's you, stand your feet, come forward, and we're going to pray for you. Don't be bashful. It's okay. Yeah, find a way. There's always a way. Just a couple seats may be in your way. <laughs> so by the response here, I'm going to need some help. But here's the deal, guys, for you who have responded. Listen, there's nothing I can offer you other than just a friend coming alongside of you and encouraging you in prayer, right? But there's someone who has a whole heck of a lot to offer you right now. And and I know sometimes we are apt to be more dependent on one another, but I think, I think Jesus, a matter of fact, I know Jesus 
wants us to be more dependent upon him. And so now, right now in this moment, be dependent upon Christ. Just right now, right where you're at, close your eyes. Close your eyes and just pray. And if you can't muster up words to pray, just say, Jesus, help. Start there. Sincerely, just say, Jesus, help. I need you to intervene. Go ahead. Let's take a couple minutes, guys. Just begin to pray. For those who could help me and pray for this large group that has responded, I very much appreciate it. But just stay, guys. Stay in the posture of saying, Jesus, help me. Come rescue me. Come provide. Come break through. Come give me the victory, Jesus. Come. Maybe, maybe you've been convicted. Maybe you need to grow in perseverance. Maybe you know that you kind of, you know, give in easily over the littlest battles and struggles and wars. And God wants to just strengthen you to say, gird up your loins. Persevere in this place. Just reach out to God. He's here. Right? He's here. Where two or three are gathered in his name. He is presence. Guy, this is what I'm doing right now. I need to convince you that Jesus is here right now. Right in this room. Right now. Helping, encouraging, and strengthening you. Thank you,
Raise your hand if you haven't got prayer. Raise your hand if nobody's prayed for you. Don't go anywhere. Even if you're just basking, if you're just enjoying the presence of God, enjoy it. I say spend as much time as you can in this moment. Don't let anything distract you or anything deter you. Again, if you haven't received prayer, raise your hands because we want to make sure that nobody gets missed, nobody gets looked over. We want to pray for you and agree with you. So if you need prayer, raise your hands. Okay, we got a person in the back. Somebody get around him. If you can, if you've been prayed for and now you have faith, you feel like the Lord's on your heart, go pray for the person. We're all ministers. We're all in this together. So if the, but if, if you're enjoying the presence of Jesus, I, I want to encourage you. Listen, enjoy it. Stay in it. Don't disengage. Just stay weeping. Stay laughing. Whatever it is that the Spirit is doing, just stay in that place. That's it. Yeah, just gather around your friends. Continue to pray. Continue to lift them up. Thank you, Jesus. You are faithful. You are faithful, Jesus. You are good. 
You are faithful, Jesus. You are good. You are good. Mm -hmm. oh. It's all gonna rains. Let's sing this together as we close. All gonna rains forever. Your kingdom reigns. It's all gonna rains. It's all gonna Forever your kingdom reigns. One more time, our God. It's our God reigns. Oh, it's our God reigns. Forever your kingdom reigns. You reign. You reign, you reign, you reign forever. You reign, you reign, you reign forever. You reign, you reign, you reign forever. You reign. See, I was, I was taught from a young age. Whenever God does something significant. Whenever God moves in our hearts, whenever God answers prayer or encourages us, that the best thing to do after God does things like that is to worship Him. It's just to sing and, and just give thanks. So let's sing together one more time. Our God reigns. Can we do that? And just celebrate the God's goodness. One, all together. You saw God reigns. You saw God reigns forever. Your kingdom reigns. One more time, our God. You saw God reigns. Oh, you saw God reigns forever. Your kingdom reigns. You know, it would be foolish for me to think that everybody here this morning is a believer, that everybody here this morning professes Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. It would be foolish for me to assume that. And so I want to just briefly, if you're here and you do not know Jesus, you do not know Him as your Savior and as your Lord, and you have the courage and the boldness to make that profession of faith and make the Lord Jesus your Savior, I want to encourage you now, right now, this morning, 
is your time, is your day. I want to just boldly put it out there. If there is anybody here that does not name the name of Jesus, that does not proclaim or profess Jesus as their Lord and Savior, I want to offer you that opportunity right now to do such. You may be looking around saying, what's going on? Listen, you don't have to be looking around saying what's going on. By just giving your heart to Jesus, he'll invite you. He'll show you exactly what's going on. And he'll even give you a measure of what's going on. And so if that's you here this morning and you don't know Christ, I want to briefly, I'm not going to waste a lot of time, but I'm going to offer you the best gift ever given to humanity. If that's you, come forward. Without being too awkward about it, listen, there's nobody here that's going to, you know, laugh at you. We're only going to rejoice with you. If anybody's here and you want an opportunity to put your faith in Jesus Christ, right now is your moment. Amen. Good. Well, church, it's been great being with y'all. And great things have to end at some point because Mario will not be happy if we stay all day. Mario is the guy who um, runs this place. And so we want to honor him. Yeah. But here's the deal. As we end our service, you know, I want us to end on a positive note, on a good note, and just, you know, we're going to go into Monday and we're going to be handed and serve things and we're going to have experience